listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Third and final hour along the network. Thanks so much for being with us. The Diamond District bonus hour awaits for our loyal audience in the 239. We are Miller and Moulton. This is the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. He is an outstanding columnist for the Sun Sentinel. He covers the Dolphins for a living. He's Chris Perkins. You can follow him on Twix, Twitter slash X at Chris Perk, P-E-R-K. Chris, it's David and Mark. It's been a while. How are you? Guys, I'm 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 trying to recover from that disappointment of a dolphin season and then the kick in the teeth of the Vic Fangio uh I guess departure. But other than that, I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, I'm just fine. Well, how much did the Fangio news catch you by surprise? Because it caught me by surprise completely. I it was the last thing I was expecting. There are a lot of changes that I think may happen for Miami. This was not one of them. How much did it catch you by surprise? Well, it, it did, but it didn't. The big tip-off was during the uh, postseason news conference between General Manager Chris Greer and, and uh, Mike McDaniel, the one they held, not between, the one that featured them. McDaniel was asked near the end, just kind of offhanded, um, do you expect Big Fangio back next season? And he said, well, we'll see. And we were all like, huh. And he was like, we're all getting over the disappointment of the season and we'll do, you know, we'll assess the coaching staff. But, uh, you know, I, I thought it was kind of a, a useless question, but it would have turned out to be a great question because the tip-off was right there. And I'll say this, you know, throughout the season, it didn't appear that Fangio mixed very well with this team. It, when we would ask Fangio about guys who they had added, he would say he hadn't watched video on them. Uh, like Eli Apple, and, and when, when uh, they gave them uh, Justin Houston and Bruce Irvin there at the end of the season, he hadn't watched video, and you got the impression that Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel had just kind of given these guys to Fangio without a whole lot of input from him. And so when you add all that stuff up, it really wasn't that big of a surprise, but wow, still. Well, this will be a third DC in Mike's three years. And, you know, who, who do we think he's got a relationship with that he knows, you know, he stayed, he stayed with the inherited one. Then he went with the free agent signing that everybody would applaud. Now he's got to go basically to whatever his coaching tree or his friends coaching trees are. Well, who, who could that be? Well, we don't know. Brandon Staley seems to be a name that's that's popping up. He's from the from the Vic Fangio tree, um, you know. So I I don't know. This is a, this is going to be a big test for for Mike McDaniel because look, you did have the number ten defense in the league uh, last season, and and this was a defense that you know struggled under Josh Boyer, the previous defensive coordinator. Then you bring in Fangio, the superstar, the highest paid assistant in the NFL. And he kind of gets your defense together, but uh, you know, still, I, you kind of got the idea that Jalen Ramsey wasn't really in agreement with Fangio about the way that he was being used because Ramsey just always seemed to be very short and very brief when he was asked uh, about his usage. And so, I, I don't know. I don't know if 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 McDaniel, you know, seeks any input from from Jalen Ramsey or or any of the veteran players. I. It's really an interesting uh, test here. But, look, 
to me, this is the last year of the Super Bowl window for this team as currently constructed. You know, because Tua, are you going to bring Tua back? And if so, you know, he's going to start taking like, you know, $35, $40 million, probably more than that if it's not a team-friendly deal. Uh, what are you going to do with Christian Wilkins? What are you going to do with Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddell? And so all of these tabs start coming due. So this defensive coordinator, if you're going to capitalize on this defense as is, and maybe you bring Xavier Howard back and pair him with Jalen Ramsey again, maybe you have that Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer front again, whatever. But this is a, this is a very important hire because this team, this defense, might not be together in current form past this year because of injuries and salary concerns. I know we're talking about Fangio, but I also want to bring up McDaniel and play calling. Do you think going forward that McDaniel should be the play caller? I do. I think that's, you know, I, I think that, that that's one of those, that would be a really, really tough blow to Mike McDaniel. Uh, that's, that's his thing. Now, I know that that was not his thing before. He's a first-time play caller, so... Last, you know, he's been calling plays for two years, as long as he's been a head coach. Here's what I think, though. Uh, that has to be discussed. Uh, you know, do you take play calling away from him? Because, look, you have a lot of duties as a head coach. Play calling is just a small portion of it. Uh, but, I, but I think that's the thing that he really treasures, he really values about himself is creating that offense. I think offensively, you need to make some changes. Um, you know, maybe you get a receiving tight end. Maybe you use match protection uh, a lot more. You've got to develop a number three receiver behind Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Maybe it's a running back. Maybe it's a slot receiver. Maybe it's a tight end. You've got to get a power back for short yardage and just to extend drives. I, I think that, you know, to me, the big thing with the Dolphins and with Mike McDaniel specifically you can't do the same things in year three that you did in years one and two. I've spelled out very clearly that this offense and this team does not do well against the playoff team. So, you guys, if you if you read me, you know that a big deal with me, this season the Dolphins were one and six against playoff teams. Last year they were two and six against playoff teams. So in Mike McDaniel's two years, you're three and 12 against playoff teams. 20-16 and 16 record overall, including playoffs, uh, you don't have a playoff win. This team has underachieved, and the thing is, the future is now. Like, your first-round picks are, are in Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb, so this team needs to win now. Uh, I, I, think, I think McDaniel should call plays, but you've got to make some offensive changes somewhere. Talking with Chris Perkins, who writes about the Dolphins for a living for the Sun Sentinel. Follow him on Twix, Twitter slash X at Chris Perk. Chris Perk, P-E-R-K. Chris, we all like Mike. He's a nice guy. We'd all love to have a beer with him. We wish more coaches were like him instead of egomaniac acts and control freaks. But he's obviously a little stubborn because two years in a row, he's had many of the same faults. Can't get the plays in quickly enough. It doesn't run the ball enough. I mean, it's Chris, if you keep – I feel as if I'm the parent, he's the child, and he keeps coming in going, yeah, I know, I keep being late. Well, stop being late. I, I mean, you know, Chris, is he – that's why I'm wondering if Chris Greer has to take play calling away from him because, like you said, 2024 is a huge year, and he didn't learn many of the lessons he said he was going to learn after year one. I agree. 
I agree. And, I, you know, I wrote a column saying, you know, before the Kansas City game, saying that if he doesn't win this game, he should be on the hot seat. And, and people were, oh, you're crazy, Perk. What are you talking about? This dude has done great. This team has underachieved. This team has greatly underachieved. And, look, you're right. I like Mike McDaniel. He's a nice guy. He's a friendly guy. He's different. I wish more coaches were like him. But he's not getting the desired results. And, and if I'm Steve Ross, I'm looking at how much – I mean, this rebuild started with Tank Pertua. And, and you were going to build through the draft, then you shift gears and you get Armstead and you get Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Ramsey, and all of a sudden it's win with veterans, let's win the Super Bowl now like the Rams did. And, and now you're just kind of stuck in this neverland. I mean, this you're, you're just it, – it's almost a groundhog day from, from the last 20-something years. Uh, you know, only the names change. You've got Tua and McDaniel now, but you still don't have a playoff win. Your last playoff win was in 2023. So, yeah, Mike McDaniel, uh, th- this needs to be a wake-up call. Somebody in that organization needs to put their foot down. I don't know if Chris Greer is the guy to do it. He seems in such agreement with McDaniel. But, again, you can't keep doing the same things in year three that you did in years one and two because, obviously, it's not working, offensively or defensively. So, uh, it, it, uh, to me, it, if McDaniel doesn't get it done this year, I, really, if I'm Steve Ross, I've got to think about cleaning house, right? I've got to think Rear has to go, McDaniel has to go, and I'm not signing Tua to an extension, partly because he hasn't earned it, but partly because if Greer and McDaniel go, your new administration probably doesn't want to have a quarterback who's tied to a four-year contract at $40 million a year, so... It, to me, this is kind of a proven year for everybody, for, for, for Greer at GM, for McDaniel at head coach, for two at quarterback. And depending on how the year goes, if I'm Steve Ross, I might just take a broom to the whole thing and, and start over. You know, you mentioned getting the power back. You mentioned a third receiver. You didn't mention the offensive line. Chris, do you think their own line is good enough? Armstead's getting, you know, he, he can't play a whole year. They've invested a lot of money in draft picks into this line. Is it good enough? It's good enough, but it's not, it's not great. It's not outstanding. For the amount of resources you put into that, you haven't gotten an equal return on investment. Now, I'll say this. I do think that left tackle is probably your biggest problem on the offensive line, and here's why. Um, you could just choose to re-sign Connor Williams. You could at center. You could choose to re-sign uh, Robert Hunt at right guard. And you've got Austin Jackson coming back at right tackle. So that's the center and the right side of your line. Left guard, Isaiah Wynn won't be back. He had an injury history. But you've got, you know, Rob Jones and, and uh, Chasen Hines and, and uh, Lester Cotton. You might have a starting left guard on your roster. Left tackle, however, Armstead's thinking about retirement. I agree with you. If you go into the season thinking Armstead has 17 starts in his body, you are absolutely crazy. I love Armstead, I respect Armstead, but he's probably got, what, eight or ten more starts left in him. You would hope that those are in December, January, and February, but you have no idea. The backup, Kendall Lamb, is a 10th-year is a player. He'll be in his 10th year. He's got back problems. So, I, I mean, depending, you know, considering the pass rusher that you will be blocking at left tackle, that is a very critical position. You guys know that. So, I mean, are you going to spend a lot in free agency? Are you going to draft a left tackle up high? You still might need cornerback help. 
because who knows if Cam Smith last year's second-round pick is coming back, and who knows what you're going to do with Xavier Howard and his $25.9 million salary cap hit. I would bring X back. I would franchise tag Christian Wilkins. I would, I would pretty much bring everybody back except for Armstead. I, I, I think when you look at the, I, I, I would just have to have a difficult conversation with Armstead that, look, if you come back, you're going to have to – we yep. can't go with you. We, you're going to have to be – I don't know how that would go, but I can't count on him as my starter. To me, that's your number one problem on the offensive line. Chris Perkins, he writes about the Dolphins for the Sun Sentinel, and as you can tell, he has his own way of thinking – Follow him on Twix at Chris Perk, P-E-R-K. Chris, you know we admire you from afar. Thanks so much for your time, and hopefully we can do this again before free agency starts. Let's do it. Just, just, just reach out. I'm here. Thanks, guys. Chris Perkins, kind enough to join us here on Miller & Moulton. Welcome back to Miller & Moulton. Only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour. Our buddy Seth Everett will join us in a little more than fifteen minutes. Thanks so much for being with us, Miller Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. The Diamond District Bonus Hour is about forty minutes away. Mark, you and I are into pageantry. It's, it's why we like uh, college football in some instances more than we like uh, the NFL because, you know, the NFL has very little pageantry. You know, pageantry to the NFL is the Bills Mafia breaking tables in the parking lot. Yeah, you're right. right. The Lambeau that's Leap, that's pageantry. Right. All right. The Ravens are trying to create a little pregame pageantry. All right. And once again, it is the first time in 53 years the city of Baltimore has hosted a game this big. And the Baltimore, I mean, you were there. That crowd, you know, Detroit's getting all the accolades for their fans, and they should, and they deserve it. It's it's great. Absolutely. It's terrific. Mm-hmm. But Baltimore's crowd had more to do with their win than Detroit's crowd had to do with their win. Right. How I mean, many pre-snap penalties were there for Houston? Seven. Seven pre-snap penalties. How many pre-snap penalties for the Bucks? Zero. Right. So oh, the Baltimore crowd was in it from the word go. They were loud. You could hear it. I mean, it was noticeable on television, David. I will say what impressed me about the Ravens, there were some old-time Colts that were there. And they made sure to put them on the big screen and 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 have big build up from the announcer and you know ladies and gentlemen you know star of the, 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 the you know Lenny Moore and the crowd went crazy. You know that, that that's supposedly not this franchise, but no, it's Baltimore. As far as they're concerned, no, that is Baltimore. That other franchise is in Indianapolis. You know that's like this whole Oilers Texans or Titans thing. You know, in Houston, they're like, no, 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 our franchises, that's why they shouldn't be allowed to wear those uniforms. We should still be allowed to wear those uniforms. That's why it's such a sore spot. So, Mark, this is the Ravens, legends of the game, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. You know, last time the Ravens were in the AFC championship game, 2012, 
the final year for Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Who's the honorary captain? Jonathan Ogden. The human eclipse. First draft pick in Baltimore Ravens history. That's a large human being right there. Biggest man either one of us have ever seen. There were two people on the other side of Jonathan Ogden in the press room of the Super Bowl in Tampa. We were walking from the back of the room to the front. We could not see the two individuals on the other side of Jonathan Ogden. He was so broad and so wide that they fit inside his shirt. We had Joe Theismann on. He gave Joe Theismann a hug after Joe left our table saw Ogden, and they embraced. And when he hugged him, Theismann disappeared. He did. I'm not, I'm not messing around. He disappeared. You could see two hands. Yes. Never mind the fact that Joe, after the injury, is about a foot shorter than Jonathan Ogden right. also. By the way, city of Baltimore, we got one thing left. Who's going to bring out the game ball? Michael Phelps. Oh, boy. All the stops. All the stops. That's how big this is in Boulder. 53 years. This 1970 Colts in early January of 71 hosted the AFC Championship game. The Ravens have been in four other AFC title games, all of them on the road, in Oakland, in Pittsburgh, and twice in New England. First one at home. This is a BFD. And they were that loud, Mark, in a, a – it was a nasty day. It was like 18 degrees with 20-plus mile-an-hour winds. It was not comfortable at that game. This is going to be 45 degrees and rain. This is going to feel like, you know well, – What are you whole- talking about? There might be nothing worse than 45 degrees and rain. That's not comfortable. Uh, That's miserable. To, but- Compared to last Saturday, trust me, it'll be comfortable. Please. It's like that that will feel like a Florida rain to the folks in Baltimore. It'd be like, ah heck, we're not even getting wet. Can't even feel this. Uh-huh. Keep telling yourself that. Okay. That's miserable. Well, so advantage by way, Baltimore, think- by the way, with that weather. Really? You think so? Think of the weather the Chiefs have played in the last two weeks. Although I will say it's all about, like, Aikman talks about, he goes, he was terrible with a wet ball. He said, "I cold, wind, that's fine. Wet? Oh, no. Uh, he said, I, I was not good with a wet ball. We saw uh, in San Francisco. I was going to say, the Lions are probably hoping for rain, even though Jared Goff would be outside. It would be the, way Purdy, be gorgeous. the way Purdy played in the rain. Right. He, he was bad. With the wet ball, right? So, so anyway, that's that's their attempt at NFL pageantry. I can appreciate that. Whatever's going to make you feel good. It's all about the vibes. I have my own right. superstitions that I do. You know, you got to get the get the legends right. involved. It's all good no M and M on the sidelines, no matter what you say. I agree. T pain at halftime, though. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Just saying. By the way, it's so cute. We start during the break we talked about some of this and I'm rattling off the names. And Trent, you know, twenty four NBA guy. 
Okay, we're talking about Baltimore. He goes, is Carmelo going to be there? He was there last week. Oh, for God. That was a valid question. If they're bringing the whole army, they might as well bring Melo. Really? Yes. Really? They love him there. I I, I understand they, they love him there. Yeah. It's just because he's this is an NBA guy. That's the only reason you're chastising no, about this. No, I've never associated Melo with, you know, I mean, they showed him, but I don't see him decked right. out in Raven stuff. He's not. Yeah. Also, how many professional championships for Carmelo? Zero. Okay, right. Okay. Now Phelps <laughs> going to deliver the game ball with all the gold medals hanging around him? Oh, I was going to say, think about awesome. it. I mentioned Michael Phelps is bringing out the game ball, and you go, what about Carmelo? I mean, compared to Michael Phelps? I, I mean, I don't know if Carmelo can carry his golf clubs. There was a picture of the two of them specifically together last week. That is the only reason I brought it up. I, I know. And you did say, Mike, you said during the break, Michael yeah. Phelps, you believe that is, you know, David, Sam- David Sampson said Djokovic maybe the greatest accomplishments of any individual athlete. You think it's Michael Phelps? I do. Hard to argue with that. I just, I we're on Mellow Watch, David. If I see a picture of Mellow on the sideline, I'm sending it your way right away. Wait, who we're on? Were watch? We're on Mellow Watch. Is this like tracking the flights of a coaching candidate? We're on Mellow Watch. No, but this gets thrown in the basket with the team raising the in-season tournament banner. Initially, you're like, "What are you talking about? That had never happened." And then, lo and behold, well, the Lakers raised something. Raise the yeah, matter. And, and and do you know what's happened to them since? <laughs> yes, they stink. I love Sonny's and, uh, point. I do appreciate Sonny's comment in the Twitch chat room. The Ravens play defense. Carmelo does not. Uh, make a dead good point That's there, That's a good Sonny. one. It really is. So, anyway. So, I don't know if you'll see or hear much about it before the AFC Championship game. But it's an NFL team pulling out all the stops, trying to have some pageantry. Do you know what that means once they kick off? Not a damn thing. No, it does not. We gave you the numbers earlier. Mahomes is an underdog on the road, is 9-0-1 against the spread. Does that continue? And what's he, like 8-3 and three straight up as a dog? As a dog. Yeah. What are they, two and a half, dog, in this one to Baltimore? Yes. I think it opened to two and a half. Miller and Moulton. Seth Everett will make his weekly appearance on the other side. Thanks for being with us. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. 22 minutes until we're out of here. The Diamond District Bonus Hour awaits at the top of the hour for those in the 239. Thanks so much for listening on this Thursday. Pat Kerwin will join us on the show tomorrow on a football Friday. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Seth Everett joins us for his weekly visit. It's a day late. He had stuff going on yesterday. He's a busy guy. He's got a family. Yeah, he's got to take care of people. All right. Seth joins us once again. Follow him on Twix, Twitter slash X at Seth underscore Everett. Seth underscore Everett. Sports with Friends, Hall of Justice. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Hall of Justice is in uh, emergency surgery. 
I uh, I, oh. I I did the wrong commercial. So oh. last, late last night, a marathon day, and I saw the list, and I said, "Oops," and. I was like, this isn't getting fixed tonight. So as soon as I'm done today, I've got to get into major surgery. Oh. Got the surgical gloves. I'm Hope ready. it will survive. Hope I so. I mean, you know. Will you need an assistant or is this one you're handling by yourself? No, this <laughs> this is the one I'm handling myself. The audio things. The video ones, we have assistants now. I have people who are making these cool videos. Wait a minute. You have yeah. people? I have people. You have a staff? Yeah, they're uh, they're it's it's child labor laws, but yeah, it's it's um, <laughs> it's people. There's a bunch of um, uh, video editors that want to beef up their demo reels, so they're oh, editing I, promos. I thought you were talking about your two daughters when you said nope, child labor. They laws. They wouldn't oh, touch okay. it. As a matter of fact, one of the kids who wants to do it is my daughter's age, and my daughter looked at me and said, "You're not using him." Okay. Yeah, a little history, I guess. Okay. Love that you have hey, people. Listen, have people. Uh, we're going to get serious here for a second. Sure. So um, we talked about this story briefly a couple hours ago. Five players from Canada's 2018 World Junior Hockey Team have been asked to surrender to London, Ontario police. They're facing sexual assault charges. So... Four of the five are currently in the NHL. One's playing in Europe. Two of the four play on your favorite team. Yep. Where are you on players who are charged with a crime but have not gone through the legal system yet? Because I am one of those that believes that you play until you there's a verdict or there's a plea. Most oh, so you're saying people, so after so, they get after right. they surrender, so, yes. they're released on their you know on bail right. or whatever it is, right. and they're pending they're, trial. Exactly, and they play for the team. Yes, if you yeah, were I running agree. the New Jersey Devils, would you bring the two players back, or are these players not going to play for you for the rest of the year in hell? I don't know if this is going to get adjudicated next year. Right. The only thing I can use is. Uh, there needs to be specific rules set forth in the collective bargaining agreement uh, before something like this happens. That'll never happen. That is, well, and that's not, in the Roberto Steph, Osuna situation, the, the, the only experience I have is uh, Roberto Osuna. When the Toronto Blue Jays, before he was convicted of anything, said he will never wear a Blue Jays uniform ever again. Right. Yes, many then, teams have done that. The Astros right, did it with Julio Lugo. The Mets did it with Vince Coleman. When the owner comes in and says, I don't care what the contract says. I don't correct. care about the CBA. I don't care if I have to pay him. He's never wearing the jersey again. Correct. I I don't know. Um, I don't know what the rules are. I don't know enough about the NHL CBA. I don't know what the, the precedence is. All I know is in 27 years, I have covered dozen of these domestic violence accusations and well, this cases is sexual assault like for the record. This sexual is not assault. And, and, this is sexual assault. Correct. And this story has been completely blanket coverage by the athletic. And I followed this. I've listened to three separate podcasts just about this. The evidence they have is damning. The only difference was in all of those stories, they never revealed the names of the five players. Right. Until yesterday. And I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And now you're starting to see evidence. For example, 
In the case of Mike McLeod, he's leading the NHL in faceoffs. He had a brilliant year last year and didn't get a contract. He got a, a essentially the minimum to come back this season. And a lot of the speculation was, well, what a team guy. He's given them a hometown discount so they could sign other players in a hard salary cap situation. I think the team knew. I think the team's planning planned on not having him because that's why they didn't pay him. The curious one is Cal Foote, who's the other uh, Devils player. That's the son of Adam Foote, who I covered for six years. I knew Adam Foote relatively well. And it's funny because that was one of the guys I talked to Keith Jones recently about getting Adam Foote on Sports with Friends. I'm not doing that now. Yeah, I, but I just, just I can't just, do it. Seth, not ask about it, Seth, and he can't talk Seth, about it. You're running the Devils. Would you, once they plea, they're going to go sometime in the next right. week. They're going to go and they're going to get you know the mug shots, the whole deal, and then they're going to be released. Do they play for your organization while free, while facing charges, but not yet in court? And I would take the Is heat. Is there a rule? Is there no? No, there's there not a rule? rule. Is there any precedent? No, no. it's team by team. Team by team. Well, and I, I'm I one couldn't. Of those, I, for the record, couldn't play him. And I would. I, See, I, I, I'm leaning toward Mark. Like, I'm leaning toward no, but there has to be some kind of legal precedent. That's what I'm searching for. Like, um, and I know I'm going to catch a lot of heat, and this seems contradictory because there's been nobody. I mean, I go back 30 years on the air speaking out against violence against women and children when it was not the thing to do. Okay, but I am also a believer in the American justice system, and you're innocent until proven guilty. Like, I believe Trevor Bauer. He was never even charged with a crime. Yep. Okay. How in the world is can I not sign him? I, I'm serious that that I'm like, listen, I, I don't know if he did it, and I don't know what to tell you. Wasn't even charged with but a crime. Technically, but technically, Trevor Bauer is eligible. He There's is nothing. No he is not. No one's banned. choosing to sign him. Correct. If but, if, if but the team the sport, wants to sign him, they can do it. They can, but no one's willing to do it. And in essence, it's the same thing here. It, we ha This happens a lot in college, Seth. A player gets in trouble, he's charged, and the question of the coach is, uh, is right. he going no, to play? So you're inclined, you and Mark are inclined if you're running the Devils, the Flyers, and the Flames. They're the four, three teams who have four players who are caught up in this. Okay, you're inclined, this guy, these players don't play for you until this gets adjudicated. Correct. This is not what I thought you'd ask me. And um, I, I'm leaning toward no, and my instinct, based on all the evidence that I heard in, like I said, I listened to three separate podcasts just about this. And I read countless articles. The Athletic has covered this like a blanket. The evidence is so damning, they will never play hockey again. Well, see, and Mark and I don't even know the evidence. We don't, we're, oh, we're, This is just a, a blanket. You know, we just know the highlights. We just know. I can't you know, say what, it on the radio. Right. Well, then don't. I, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, I won't. <laughs> I'm saying but, it's, 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 it's awful. Okay. And... In that sport, there has been so many problems with so oh. many different types of sexual assault. Right. That totally. this that the sport has a black eye because of it. 
Yeah. And that's part of my reason why I wouldn't be able to play them. I I, I tend to agree. I just I I like I said, I've covered this so many times over my career. I remember being on the air in Philadelphia when they took the Paterno statue down. I remember doing that and having to take calls after calls after calls after call, and I had no emotional involvement in it. I thought it was egregious. I thought it was disgusting, but it wasn't my team. And this, the, uh, right, this my is initial your team. reaction was, that's our best face-off guy. <laughs> I was like, we can't catch a break. Uh, once, <laughs> once again, Seth, go get a goalie. Go, go get a goalie. He's <laughs> Seth Everett, Sports with Friends Hall of Justice. Follow him on Twix, Twitter, slash X, at Seth underscore Everett. But I do believe, and I don't know, Mark, how you feel, that – I believe as an organization, just like Bobby Bowden's philosophy, mm-hmm. and, and on this show a lot, we do do the world according to Bowden. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we loved him. A lot of what he stood for, we agree with. Bobby's feeling was that until there was a plea or it was adjudicated, that I got the player would play it. My, uh, the one analogy uh, in terms of sports, this is not apples to apples, but the one analogy that I remember, I had a big thing back 10 years ago now, when Aaron Hernandez was charged with murder. Right. I said the Patriots should get the salary cap money back because, you know, and people were like, well, you knew he was a problem guy and and you you run the risk. And I said, never once in the scouting report was could kill a guy in the thing. The the New England Patriots should have gotten whatever they paid Aaron Hernandez should have been given back in cap space. That, that's just that. And, and so in that case, that I would apply to all four of those players, you know, whatever the flyers were playing, uh, paying Carter Hart, Carter Hart, get, take that money and go get somebody else. Ooh, that's interesting. I mean, that's treating this like long-term injury, you know, like all of a sudden right. your star player gets hurt. You get to put him on that long-term injury and his salary doesn't count against the cap. That's right, because I heard be yesterday that you know Doug, Dougie Hamilton, one of our defensemen, uh, he's out for the year. There's insurance on that, and they might have that in cap space. You throw that plus these other two dudes, you've got a lot of money now, and there's going to be some team that wants to do a salary dump. Let's do that. Is Connor Hellebuck available? No. <laughs> no, he's not. You'll be What's looking at backup of- goaltenders along the league to try to fill that void, Seth. I understand. I I do un- I do understand. I love see because we're hitting Seth where he lives right now. Okay? <laughs> that, no, no, no. That Seth's always very opinionated. All right, not and has his feelings about certain subject matter. But a this is now his team, and I love the fact that he's touched on how much the story really bothers him. But at the same time, he's gone. Damn it! This is our best face-off guy, and are we going to get salary cap relief? I mean, I, I mean, every facet mark of Seth Everett is literally coming out here. <laughs> we are, we are hitting all the buttons. I remember listening. I, I remember Richard Deitch had Katie Strang on his podcast. And it was all about this story. And I was like, oh, my God, again? Do I want to hear this again? And I was like, yes, I was, I'm was. i transfixed with this story. I never, it wouldn't have dreamed, never once, 
I have you ever seen that roster, the 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 the, the 2018 Canadian junior oh, hockey junior roster? Team, yeah. Kale McCarr is on that list. But again, he, he has not been connected to this. No, no I mean these world junior teams are the best of the best. These guys, yeah, you know, typically hats. are all yeah. going to play in the league. That's that's what happens. Yeah, that's nuts. That's and awesome. this. It's hard to explain to people in this country how big that tournament is in Canada, and oh, just yeah. how close this story is with the Canadian people. Totally, because the world yeah, juniors are a big deal. And then, as you yeah. referenced, Mark, this is a sport that has had two or three major sexual assault against men and women scandals in recent years. And so now this on top of it, I mean, Canadian junior and youth hockey has been just destroyed in the last five years with scandal after scandal involving just horrific stories. All right. In about 90 seconds, sports with friends, all the justice go sports with friends is a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, it's the story of the last two weeks in Seattle. Washington Huskies were playing for the national championship. They lost that game. Within two days, they lost their coach. They lost half their roster to the transfer portal. They have a new coach. And then the Seattle Seahawks fired the winningest coach in franchise history all in about eight days. And so my one of my best friends, uh, Dave Softy Mahler from KJR, just lamented what the, la- the, the roller coaster of emotions. And we actually opened the podcast with the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. That's exactly what the last two weeks in Seattle. Jim McKay? You opened it with Jim McKay? Yeah, we have tape. Yeah, it was not AI. It was tape. (laughs) It was was tape. Uh, Hall of Justice is about Reacher and how stinking great that show is. It's on Amazon Prime, uh, but it needs a new commercial, so it's going to come out around midday. By the way, what do you think WWE Raw on Netflix? 30 seconds. Yeah, good for them. Uh, that, that, that's that, that's good. It doesn't mean that they're going to start playing for the NBA or anything like that. This is a really that, that is scripted entertainment. It's live, but it's scripted entertainment. They control it. It's also fifty-two weeks a year versus a season. This fits the Netflix model. The NBA doesn't. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well done. Could have done the whole segment on that. I thought I, we were. Me. Right. So, so did I. <laughs> I like this one more. It hit you harder. I was going to say, you're a wreck. You're not going to be able to do surgery on uh, Sports with Friends there. That's how messed yeah, up you are. We're going to have coming. to call in the backup surgeon. Miller and Moulton, thanks for listening. <laughs>